We uh, looked at God's predestination regarding our salvation this morning. And there was a few things I wanted to cover this afternoon, as the brother alluded to this morning, that he's predestined all things. If we turn back to the 8th chapter of Romans, you know, Paul writes, We know all things work together for good to them that love God who are the called according to His purpose. This is a proof that God is working all things, as Paul writes, to our good. shows to us that those that love God are the same as the ones who are the called according to His purpose. We have to ask ourselves, how can all things work together for good except there be one who things are being worked according to His purpose? There has to be a purpose behind everything. We always, I, I, I firmly believe, I believe all of God's people believe that everything happens for a reason. But it's not in the fatalist sense of the word where someone may say, well, everything happens for a reason. We don't know what. or There may not be someone in control, but we believe that God is in control of all things. He has predetermined all things. He works all things. The psalmist in Psalm 33 spoke of this when he said, By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, and all the host of them by the breath of His mouth. He gathered the waters of the sea together as a heap. He layeth up the depth in storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe. And in verse 9 he says, For he spake, and it was done. He commanded, and it stood fast. The Lord bringeth the counsel of the heathen to naught. He maketh the devices of the people of none effect. The counsel of the Lord standeth forever. The thoughts of his heart to all generations. And then the prophet Isaiah gives us this in the 46th chapter and the 10th verse. He says, Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure. Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Yea, I have spoken it. I will also do it and bring do it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it, and I will also do it. Hearken unto me, ye stout-hearted that that are far from righteousness. I will bring near my righteousness. It shall not be far off, and my salvation shall not tarry. I will place salvation in Zion for Israel, my glory. Now, we have a prophecy here of Cyrus when he says, Calling a ravenous bird from the east, the man that executeth my counsel from a far country. Cyrus delivering the the Jews from the Babylonian captivity. And yet, this prophecy happens before the Babylonian captivity ever took place. Now, if... And the prophet plainly states that God declared the end from the beginning and from ancient times the things not yet done. How could God speak to the prophets had He not predetermined all things to happen before time began? He knows all ends. He knows all ways. He has determined things. As He says here, He has declared the very end from the beginning. So before there ever was a beginning, God had declared the very end of all things. Furthermore, the counsel of the Lord standeth forever. As the psalmist wrote, He has commanded and it was done. Well, He spoke and it was done. He commanded and it stood fast. Brethren, I want to touch on this just a little bit this afternoon. 
Because the Lord, we must understand that the Lord is not only involved in our salvation and in our sanctification, but He is involved in all the affairs of this world. The proverb, the 16th chapter, says that the heart, the king's hearts, are in the hands of the Lord. And as the rivers of water, He turns it whichsoever way He wills. Now just think about that. We're in the midst of great turmoil in our age. And yet, if you look back through the scope of history, there has not been one time on this earth where there has not been some war, some conflict, some pestilence, some famine or plague that has not ravaged some part of this earth. And yet, we have this assurance that the hearts of the kings, the rulers of this earth, they're in the Lord's hands. And as the rivers of water, He's going to turn their hearts whichever way He wills. All things are working together for the good of God's people. As Paul tells us here in the 8th chapter of Romans, all things work together. Not just some things over here and some things over here, but everything in the whole scope of creation. All things work together for good. It may not be our physical good. It may just be limited to our spiritual good. And at other times, it may be both our physical and spiritual good. But all things work together for good to them that, that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. And this purpose, we understand that this same predestinating love that Paul spoke of in Romans, he speaks again of in Ephesians in the first chapter when he says, "...having predestinated us unto the adoption of children by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, and in verse 6, to the praise of the glory of His grace, wherein He hath made us accepted in the Beloved." Now, the old argument that Elder Hale has used in the past is one of is one to argue genetics. We understand how genetics works. If there's one person in a genetic line different, then the offspring will be different. And you take Jesus Christ, who was the seed of David. Anyone from from Adam to Christ along that line who was different, you would not have had the body. I use the word body. You would not have had Jesus Christ in the flesh as he was. That That applies to every single man, woman born on the face of this earth. Think about that. All the way back to Adam. Your your generation was determined in Adam. Adam is our federal head. And if any one person along that genealogical line was different, we would not be here. So, using that form of logic, that line of logic, how can God not determine all things before the foundation of the world? How can God not be in control of all things in, in the sovereign sense of the word? As I said, I do not advocate that God is the author of sin. He is not. Peter, Peter, in declaring the gospel to the Jews in the second chapter of Acts, declared to them that by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, Christ was delivered up. And yet, by wicked hands, the Jews were the ones that crucified Him. They were still accountable for their wicked acts. So, in going back to what Paul said, one would say, Why does he yet find fault for whom has resisted his will? Paul says, Nay, but, O man, who is thou that replies against God? Thou that shall the thing formed say unto him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? Has not God power over the same lump of clay to make one vessel unto honor and another unto dishonor? And as we see here, God's love in bringing his children unto himself by Jesus Christ is according to the good pleasure of His will, and furthermore, it is to the praise of the glory of His grace. It is that such that He should be praised for His grace and glorified for all of His grace. Now, I wanted to touch on that. And these last few verses here, this is we hold to be the truth. And there's a lot of denominations out there that do not hold to this truth. 
It is offensive to them. I firmly believe it, the doctrines of grace are offensive to some because it takes man out of the equation. It abases man. It abases all form of pride and self-glory. And yet the proverb, the Proverbs 23 and 23 tells us, Buy the truth and sell it not. Also wisdom and instruction and understanding. This, brethren, is the truth right here. This book and all that's in it is the truth. So the proverb says, buy the truth and sell it not. Do not depart from it. Do not sell it. Don't water it down. Don't let anybody else come in and water it down. And then furthermore, the fourth proverb says, get wisdom, get understanding, forget it not, neither decline from the words of my mouth, forsake her not, and she shall preserve thee, love her, and she shall keep thee. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom, and with all thy getting, get understanding. And all the things that we... that people seek after these days riches and wealth fame and fortune thousands of years ago solomon writing his proverbs spoke truth inspired by god when he said get wisdom get understanding wisdom is the principal thing buy the truth sell it not the wisdom of god is stronger than the than all the wisdom of this world paul paul arguing to the corinthians tells them the foolishness of god is wiser than the wisdom of man and the weakness of God is stronger than the strength of man. Not that God is foolish or, or weak, but using it as a, for, a point of argument, pointing out that God is infinite and so far above us and beyond us that our most wise thoughts are nothing compared to His. And our most strong strength is still weakness in His sight. And here we have the proverb telling us, get wisdom. These doctrines that I, I hope to lay out to you this morning on predestination, on this afternoon, that God is in control of all things, just using a few scriptures there. And, and you can read through the Bible, read through the book of John and tell me that God is not in control. When Jesus told the Jews, no man can come unto me except the Father which has sent me, draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. That's John 6 and 44. And then Christ telling the Jews there in the 37th verse, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and I will raise him up at the last day. These are truths given to us by the Word of God. They are the chief wisdom that we can apply in our lives. You can look through the whole, you can look through the whole four, first four books and, uh, and get a good reading of the law. Me and Brother Mike was talking about the law, and I was thinking about that, how the law as, as laid out and the first books of the Old Testament, especially the books of Leviticus and Exodus and Deuteronomy, lay out so many different things, not just the ceremonial law, that's been done away with, but the moral law. They lay out so many different facets of our lives, our relationships with each other, our relationships with our families, and our relationship unto God. The whole, com the whole law being summarized in the commandment, Thou shalt love the Lord with all thy heart, with all thy might, with all thy soul. And thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Those two commandments being the chief two commandments and the whole law being wrapped up into those commandments. This is wisdom and this is truth. And the Lord, the Lord Himself spoke of it in the 13th chapter of Matthew in the 44th verse when He said, The kingdom of heaven is like unto a treasure hid in a field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth, and for joy thereof goeth and selleth all that he hath, and buyeth that field. So what joy and what, what, well, what joy it is to understand the truth, and what joy it is to see the truth, and and to understand all that our Savior has done for us as we go out throughout this week. I don't know about you, but we'll, we'll probably have to tread, tread some deep waters in the future. And whether it, you know, whether it be some form of persecution or just some minor trial, 
But to know, to know the truth, to buy the truth, sell it not, to understand wisdom, to understand that our Savior has has, tre- has walked that same thorny road of trial and temptation and persecution, to understand that it is a promise unto all God's people, and to understand that the Lord Himself is in control of all things, even all the way up to the highest heads of government. He controls all things, and we're commanded to follow in His footsteps. And as Peter Peter closed out his second epistle, let us grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. That's Second Peter 3.18. So I pray that the Lord will allow us and strengthen us to grow in His grace, to grow ever in the knowledge of Christ, to keep our eyes upon Him, to look unto Him, the author and finisher of our faith, to whom be glory and all the praise, all the praise to Him forever and ever. Amen. Thank you for your time, brethren. I hope the Lord will keep us all this week.